Well, hey, welcome everybody to Blackhawk Church. Welcome Blackhawk family. So good to have you all in here, regardless if you're here live in the room with me or if you were over at Gospel Fusion or in our traditions venue, of course. And welcome to everyone at BCM. Welcome to Blackhawk Downtown, all of you who are there, Blackhawk Fitchburg, all of you who are there and everyone who is joining us online. To my Chinese speaking friends, Dijonzi Mei Ping An, and uh, to my Spanish speaking friends, Bienvenidos a Blackhawk. Estamos muy contentos de que estén con nosotros. So we are one church in a lot of locations right now. Hey, and for everybody else, sites and venues, if Blackhawk is your home, will you join me in just welcoming people here who are for, for the first time? Man, we're so glad. We're like, we're... In all honesty, we're just honored that you would take time to come and be with us this particular morning. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, my name is Matt, and uh, I'm the senior pastor here at Blackhawk Church, and uh, we're just glad that you can be with us on this day where we celebrate uh, the resurrection of Jesus. He is risen. Yeah, man. Okay, so we... um, I've got a message that I want to share with you in some different passages of scripture. But before I do that, I want to to share with you something that I bought um, not too long ago. Um, This is something that that actually I had wanted to get for some time. My wife and I, we like to work out. We have uh, um, some workout equipment in our basement, but we had never had a stationary bike and it was something that I wanted to get. And so after Christmas, I started shopping and, uh, and I got this one. Now, before that you think... I'm really hardcore. Like this is not a Peloton. No, this is um, this is an Echelon. How awesome is that? Yeah, this is uh, basically this is the knockoff brand that I got at Walmart on clearance. So there you go. Really threw something into that one. And uh, but I've I've loved this thing. Um, I set it so I set it up in our basement, and uh, and I get up you know a handful of mornings a week. And I'll ride for like 30 minutes as I'm getting started with the day. And, you know, I hop on it and I'm like working hard and my legs are getting tired. I'm like breathing heavy and I'm sweating. And then, you know, I'm done. And, you know, I just hop off the bike and kind of head on with my day. It's kind of great. But, you know, as I've been riding in the morning, there's something that I've realized, you know, as I've been taking time to... uh to ride this thing, I love foot clips. They're just the best. So I, uh, as, I, as I ride in the morning and I do this, you know, I've got time to contemplate things. And as I was getting ready for Easter, I, I, I realized um, that, that, that riding this bike actually is a decent metaphor for I think the way that, that a lot of us, that we, we actually live our lives. And, 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 and here's what I mean by that. Even, even in the way that we might look at our life in a, in a relationship with God, whatever, however it is that you think about that, that, that oftentimes in life, I feel like I'm pedaling, you know, and I'm trying really hard, trying to do good, trying to be a good person, trying to make an impact in the world, try, you know, and, 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 and even in my walk with God, like I'll think about it and I'll think, okay, God, am I doing enough? Like, am I being good enough? Like when you see me, do you see me as a decent person? Am I, is my good outweighing my bad? Or do I need to try a little bit harder? And I wonder about those things. But then the reality is, I, like I hop off the bike and I realize in the, I'm in the exact same place. 
Like a stationary bike is a great way to wear yourself out and never go anywhere. (laughs) And we all know that. I mean, that's the expectation of this bike. Like the word that comes to mind for me when I think about that is the word striving. Like we are people who in our lives, we just strive. We strive to be good people. We strive to do good things. We strive to make a difference. And, and all of that, let me tell you, all of that is really good. But, um, you know, we can end up striving and striving to somehow earn God's approval, you know, to where when he looks at us, like he looks at us favorably. And, uh, you know, maybe you fall in that camp or maybe for you, you're sitting here, you're like, I'm not even really sure what I believe about God, you know? And, and, and maybe for you, you know, you're striving and you're just striving like for the things that you're trying to find in your life, fulfillment, satisfaction, wholeness, peace, whatever it might be. But the reality is as we strive, we try really hard and we realize we're not really getting anywhere. It's, it's not doing what we hoped that it was going to do. And we end up stepping off and we're in the same place that we used to be. You know, if that, if, like, if, if that hits your heart in any way, see, the thing that I love is that I think that, you know, as I was thinking about this message, I think that the message of Easter actually has a lot to say for any of us who are in this place of striving, we try hard and we work hard and we're not sure if we're getting anywhere and we don't know if we're really doing enough. If you're striving, I think Easter has a lot to say for any of us. That's where we are going to be heading today. If you've if you brought your Bibles or if you have a device that you look at the Bible on, we are going to take a look at the book of John. And uh, John was one of the disciples of Jesus. And we're actually going to be taking a look at his perspective on the last moments of Jesus' life. Now, I know we're talking about the resurrection today, but we're actually going to back up just a little bit to the last moments before Jesus gave up his life on the cross. If you, if you haven't been around here at Blackhawk, this, this school year, since September, we've been going through the whole story of the Bible, Genesis to Revelation. And we're doing that from, from September all the way through like the first weeks of June. In the last handful of weeks, we've finally been at the place where we've been looking at the life of Jesus. And then the last two weeks, we have actually been, um, we were taught by our uh, lead teaching pastor, Charles Yu, who took us through um, everything that took place on the cross. These messages, let me just tell you, if you haven't heard them, you need to go to our website or to YouTube and watch these messages. They were just unbelievable. But Charles took us through the story of the cross. We're going to pick up right where he left off. And we're going to look at it from John, the disciples perspective on the last words that Jesus said while he was alive on the cross. So we pick up the story. Jesus has been crucified. He has been there for hours now suffering. And now he is about to give up his life. And that's where we pick up the story in John chapter 19. John 19, beginning with verse 28. Verse 28, it says this. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished and so the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. 
Okay, according, according to John, the last words that Jesus said while he was alive on the cross were these words, it is finished. And in actuality, in Greek that John wrote in, this is actually all is, these three words are encapsulated in one word, the word tetelestai. Tetelestai is a Greek word that takes three English words to understand it. It is finished. And this word in, 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 in Christianity, in, in, in the message of the gospel, this word, this is a massive word for us to understand. The ramifications of this word are like enormous. In fact, it's such a massive word. I actually got it tattooed on the inside of my arm right here. Um, no, okay, let me just explain. I did not do that just for Easter. It wasn't like, yeah, doing a message. Yeah, I do this every time I preach up here, get a passage of scripture, just like tattooed somewhere on my body. And that's the way I work. Charles Yu, he has the whole Old Testament as a full body sleeve. You gotta ask him about it sometime. I'm just kidding. No, I got this years ago, but it was because of the massiveness of this passage of scripture and the way that it affects our lives. So this is a question that all of us should be asking. When Jesus was on the cross, he said, it is finished. What did, he, what did he mean? In order to understand that, I think we have to go back and be able to take a look at it from the eyes of John, the disciple, and the other followers of Jesus and the way that they might have heard these particular words. Now think about this, for Jesus and, and these disciples, these 12 disciples and also other followers of Jesus, they had, they had been following Jesus for over three years now. And think of everything that they've seen. Like they have actually seen eyewitness accounts of miracles that blew their minds. They, they heard the teachings of Jesus that challenged everything on the way that they lived. You know, I mean, they, they were experiencing all of this. They were seeing life change happen in the lives of all kinds of people. And there is this like groundswell of people who were following Jesus that believe that he's, he could be the king of kings, the savior of the world, the son, actually the son of God. And yet the Jewish leaders back at that time were not having anything with what it was that he was teaching. They were jealous of the people who were following him. And so this particular week as Jesus and his followers enter Jerusalem to celebrate Passover with all kinds of other Jewish people, well, the wheels start to fall off. Everything starts to go wrong. And the Jewish leaders end up arresting Jesus in the middle of the night, falsely accusing him for things that he had never done, putting together this mock trial that wasn't even real, sentencing him, bringing him to the Roman leader, Pontius Pilate, who sentences Jesus to be crucified. Imagine if you're one of the disciples watching the wheels of all of this fall off. And now Jesus has been crucified and he's dead. Your leader that you've placed your life in, you've just watched him die on a cross and now his body is in a grave. And these disciples and followers of Jesus, they've now all gone into hiding out of fear that like the same thing that happened to Jesus might actually happen to them. You see, in their mind, they're thinking, yep, it is finished. In other words, it's over. Everything that we've poured our life into for the last year, last years, is gone. Our, our, our leader is dead. And the movement that we have been a part of, yeah, it is finished. And we get the idea that this is their mindset from the things that John records and the reaction that they have with everything that takes place on Sunday. 
So jump forward with me now to John chapter 20. Go one, one chapter ahead to John 20, verse 11. And we pick up this story from the perspective of a woman named Mary Magdalene. Now, Mary Magdalene was a woman. Mary was one who, um, she had been following Jesus for a, a period of time and her life was radically transformed by Jesus. And so she had been there for everything that had taken place on this week. She had seen eyewitness account of everything that happened. In fact, scripture tells us she was one of the women who after Jesus was crucified and on the cross stood closely to Jesus to comfort him in this time. Think about watching that. And she's one who watched Jesus die. And she loved Jesus deeply. And so she is, at this moment, Jesus is in the grave. She is swimming in grief. And, and we pick up the story the day after the Sabbath when she goes to the tomb to see the body of Jesus. And, and, and my guess is, you know, it doesn't say in this gospel narrative, the reason why Mary went to the tomb, other ones say that she went to properly embalm the body of Jesus. My guess is she is dealing with so much grief that like, she just feels like she has to do something. For some of us, we have been in these situations in our lives where like we've had a loved one who has passed away and we feel like we, like we just have to do something. My guess is that's the situation that we see happening here with, G, with, with Mary in this moment. And so Mary in her grief goes to the tomb. And yet what we find out is that she goes, she finds the tomb, the, the stone rolled away. And so she goes running to the disciples, tells Peter and John what's happened. They come running to the tomb. They find, yep, the body is gone. The cloths are there that the body was wrapped in, but Jesus' body is gone. And so they go back to where they were in hiding, but Mary just stays. What's her perspective in this moment? That's where we pick up in John chapter 20 says this, now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head, the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why, why are you crying? Who is it that you are looking for? I just love the fact that Jesus is kind of messing with her in that moment, you know? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking that he was the gardener, Jesus said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Okay, let's stop there for a minute. What's Mary's mindset? She is grieving because in her mind, what has already happened that has been horrific has now taken a turn and gotten worse. Do you notice that like there is no element of her that we pick up in this story where she is thinking, Wonder if Jesus has risen from the grave like he predicted. Like there's none of that. There's none of that from the disciples, none of that from her. She is thinking he is dead and someone has stolen the body. And then all of a sudden she comes into contact with these angels. That's gotta be kind of freaky. And she's having this moment with them. She turns, she sees this guy who she thinks is the lawn guy. It starts having a conversation and that's Jesus and she doesn't even realize it. I mean, wouldn't you just love to be in this moment, like to somehow have a GoPro camera in a corner recording it all to where we could see actually the way that it all played out. And then in my mind, in this moment, this is one of the coolest moments that I see in scripture, what takes place next. 
Jesus said to her, verse 16, Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me for I have not yet ascended to the father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Okay, like (laughs) Jesus in this moment says to her, Mary, I mean, what was it that all of a sudden, think about this, that cued Mary in, oh, the lawn guy? Nope, that's Jesus. You see, I think that sometimes, I think that for some of us, like we can read the emotion right out of scripture, of a story that's telling us something different. We read the passage and we're like, Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. You know, and I don't know why I become British in that. I'm sorry, but, uh, <laughs> but we, we just read it like that. What was it in that moment that cued Mary in? Like, was it that she thought she was talking to three different strangers and all of a sudden she realizes, whoa, they know me. Was it... Was it the way that Jesus said her name that all of a sudden she's like, wait, I know that voice. I know that that's Jesus. Why do you think that Jesus said, do not hold on to me any longer? My guess is because Mary just wrapped him up and would not let go. And he's like, wait, 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 hold on. I know, I know I'm alive. Yes, okay, hold on. We've got things to do because from your perspective, Mary, it is not finished. It's only just beginning. And think about this. Jesus commissions Mary, this woman, to be the very first person to go and tell people that he is risen. (laughs) He is risen. story is just amazing. Mary goes from this place of believing that Jesus was dead to knowing that he is alive and goes to share that message with everyone. It's a message. That's what we celebrate at Easter. This message that Jesus, who had been crucified, that death could not hold him. Jesus is the one who went to the cross like to pay the penalty for all of our sin, all of our mistakes, all of our mess ups. He paid for it all on the cross so that now for any of us who place our faith in him, that we can have eternal life, not because of what we've done, but because of what he did. That's the message. And Jesus said to Mary, go and tell everyone. Yep, I conquered death. I paid the penalty for sin. I am here. So, If that's the case, then what did Jesus mean when he said it is finished on the cross? Striving, it's finished. Me feeling like I have to be a person that somehow works hard enough to be able to gain eternal life. God, am I doing enough? Am I being a good enough person? Have I done enough things? Have I made the baby Jesus cry this week? I'm so sorry about that. I'll work harder and it's gonna be okay. And we strive. Jesus was saying on the cross, striving, finished. For some of you, you've got a bike like this 
Or maybe you go to like a spin class at a, at a club or something like that. Or you do have a Peloton or some other bike where you're like, you're actually competing against other people that you do a workout with. And I don't know about you, but if I'm like, if I'm ever doing a workout class, like my goal, my goal is not to be the best. I just don't want to be the worst, you know, like I'm trying to land somewhere in the middle and I feel pretty good about that. You know, I'm trying to have like a C plus average or above in the class and doing things that way. But here's the reality is like when we're doing what we're doing in a class, yeah, the winner's there and the loser's there. And when we are done with class, we all get off the bike. We're all in the same place. We didn't actually go anywhere. It's like, let's say, okay, let's do this. Let's say that we're all on stationary bikes here. We're having a huge class, all of us together, everyone here, like everyone's on a bike online, everyone watching me on a bike right now, and we're riding. And for all of us here at Braider Way, can I get a shout out from Braider Way people right now? Shout out from all of you. (laughs) Okay, downtown and traditions, I'm hoping you were better than the people in this room, so... Let's say for all of us. So we're riding right now. And our goal is to get to the Capitol. Now, I don't know if you know this, but the Capitol actually is about nine miles from where we are right now. That's not a bad ride. I think we could pull that off. That's not bad. Okay, but then there's Fitchburg. You Fitchburg people. Yeah, you're feeling good about yourselves right now because you're only seven miles from the Capitol right now. You've got a lead on us. Of course, though... Okay, fine, I guess we have to talk about you Blackhawk downtown people. You're feeling all good about yourselves because you're less than a mile from the Capitol. You can walk out the doors and see the Capitol. You head to State Street, straight shot down the street, and you're right there. But the reality is, if our goal is to get to the Capitol, it doesn't matter if we're here at Brader Way or if we're at Fitchburg or wherever you are online. I don't know where you are around the world. You've probably got a farther distance to go. Or if we're downtown, the reality is, if we're trying to get to the Capitol on this bike, it's never going to work. It doesn't matter how hard I strive. I am going nowhere. That's why Jesus came. The apostle Paul actually tried to help us understand this in a passage of scripture that he shared with us in Ephesians chapter two, starting with verse one. He said, it's not about being bad or good. It's actually something different. He says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world. He's saying, no, it's not about you being good or bad. You're actually more, way, like, more worse off than you realized. It's not your bad, it's your dead. It's like, you know how if you ever take a first aid class, they tell you the first thing to do when you come on a scene, assess the situation. Well, assess the situation. You're dead. That was easy. You know, like, and the reality is dead people can't save themselves because they're dead. They bring nothing to the table. You see, that's what he's trying to say. It's like being on a stationary bike and trying to get somewhere. If I, let's say that I bought this and I come to you and go, hey, check out this bike. So excited, man, I'm gonna see so much of Madison this summer. It's gonna be great. You're gonna be like, uh, you have issues, you know? Because you assess the situation. You're not going anywhere. That's what he was saying in this moment. That's why if you hop on, you try to get to the Capitol, it's never gonna work. And so the reality isn't to try harder. The reality is if this is the case and we're dead, We need a new plan. 
Oh, wait, hold on, hold. Safety first, kids. All right. Thanks to uh, Luke Mosier for letting me borrow his bike because it's smaller than mine and easier to ride on stage. (laughs) But you get the idea here. I hop on this bike and I move. Okay, by the way, can I tell you, I have never been so nervous riding a bike in my life in front of like hundreds of people. I got tech people in the back who are freaking out right now and musicians who think I'm gonna destroy their instruments and uh, it's not good. But you get the idea. I hop on this bike and there's movement. There's a new plan here that's happening. And hopefully right now, there are light bulbs going off in your mind and you're getting the picture. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. So, new plan. That's what Jesus came to offer us is because the old plan of striving was never going to work. That's the reason why Paul, as we continue in this passage in verse four of chapter two, he says this, but because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our sins and transgressions. It doesn't say, but because of our striving, God made us alive. Nope, that was never gonna work. Remember, we are dead. So we need a new plan. Say new plan with me. We need a new plan. He said, but God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ or in Christ. He offered us a new plan that causes us to move. There is something different here. This is all encapsulated in a passage of scripture. It's probably one of the most famous passages of scripture in the Bible. If you're watching the masters, there's probably someone walking around with it on a piece of poster board, John 3, 16, which says this, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. That's an amazing verse. That, That basically says it all right there of everything we've been talking about. But the thing is, we put a lot of emphasis on John 3, 16. We forget about the beauty of John 3, 17, which says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. You see, we needed a new plan. Saving ourselves through striving, not gonna work. Saving ourselves through the new plan of Jesus that he offers us freely, that's a different story. And one of the favorite things about my job, I get to hear the stories of all kinds of people whose lives have been changed by buying into the new plan, by placing their faith in Jesus. Take a listen to this for a minute. Jesus loves me. Um, Somebody loves me. It's life-changing. And my faith has saved me. I had a lot of misconceptions about what being Christian meant and a lot of pressure built up behind the word that I didn't really think I could be it. I kind of saw Christianity as like a contract where you have to know everything and meet all the requirements before you can sign your name on the line. I don't deserve God's love. I can't even earn it. How can I actually accept it? Because that's how I functioned everywhere else in life was earning the grades, doing what people say to earn their love. And I didn't really internalize things that I'd heard in church, even though I knew the words unconditional love. Well, I grew up in the church, just kind of 
practices, just something you did every Sunday. It wasn't until Easter of 2020 when Matt was doing his sermon on the wheelbarrow. This guy, he was going across Niagara Falls back and forth on a tightrope, and then he wanted to put someone in a wheelbarrow and wheel him across Niagara Falls. He said, like, getting in the wheelbarrow is like trusting in God, that he's got you, he's in control. And something clicked that day, and I decided to start following him. I got to my mid-40s, and like many of us, I believe, also experience a lot of life changes for me happened at that time. I had been on a skyrocketing career that was beginning to stagnate, and I didn't know what to really do about that. My kids were leaving the house. I was becoming an empty nester. My marriage was falling apart, and I call it the perfect storm And, and I'm, when I hit the wall. That time in my life, I was in the darkest of places and had nothing to draw on. I didn't have any milestones of which to say, oh, remember how God delivered you. I didn't have that because I didn't live that life. So I held on to the stories of the Bible. But if that God exists and that's who he is, he will deliver me from this place. Came to the other side. I call it the before and the after. And so since fall of 2017, I've tried to live in the after second by second. And my faith has saved me. My childhood was anything but typical. My father was a successful businessman, but he was also an alcoholic, and that made him a very angry and controlling person. My mom was awesome. She did everything she could to keep peace in the house, but that meant catering to him. So as a very young girl, I started praying every night. I had my head under the covers so that no one would see and I wouldn't get in trouble. (laughs) And I prayed like any little girl would, I suppose. I talked to God like he was my best friend. I told him all my troubles and I asked him for help. As I got a little older, I started um, getting books at the library and borrowing books from friends so that I could learn more about religion and faith and God. And that's when I learned about Jesus. I found out that Jesus loves me. I spent a lot of time in the military, uh, most of it combat, uh, seeing what the worst the worst, and uh, that, that left me with a lot of internal wounds that some of us come home with. And it took a toll on me, it took a toll on my marriage, but we separated, and that, that made things worse. And I found myself before and after work and even on lunch breaks, I would sit down on a bench outside of church. And finally the pastor came out and I started talking to him and each day I open up a little bit more and after all said and done and we broke down everything, he looked at me and he said, he's already forgiven you. He's trying to get you to forgive yourself. And because of that, me and my wife are together and we're stronger than ever. We, he is the center of our, of everything we do. It's not about what you have done, what other Christians have done, you know, for your faith in humanity, um, because it's about faith in God. And if you kind of recognize, like God's already done everything, He doesn't expect you to earn it. Taking that and then deciding, here's this unconditional love, take it or leave it, do you want it or not? I said, yeah, like it was almost an easy decision. He said, even when you fall, God's got you. He's always in control. Like, I've heard that before, but I don't know. This time, something just kind of, like, clicked. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Um, Somebody loves me. 
At that point in my life, that was so important that it changed my world. He never leaves us. He'll never abandon us. And in our most difficult times, it's then that he works hardest for us. stories that we get to hear of people who have placed their faith in Jesus is just amazing. So we, we talked about earlier in the service, assessing the situation. I'd love for you to do just a self-diagnostic right now, just to be able to ask the question, where are you? Have you come to the place in, in your life where you've placed your faith in the new plan. You placed your faith in this free gift that Jesus offers you. For some of you, like you might come around here on a regular basis. You love coming to church. You love the idea of Jesus, but your life is still about striving. You think that the goal is for you to give enough, like give enough and have live a good enough life for God to accept you. And if you're in that boat, <laughs> it's time to get off the bike. <laughs> and trust in the new plan. For some of you, you walked in here and you're like, I'm not even sure what I believe about Jesus. You know, I'm just trying to, I want, I, I'm, I'm looking for fulfillment and peace and wholeness and satisfaction. But in the reality is in the circumstances of my life, that's really difficult to find. And I keep striving to try to find it. And yet I never seem to get there. And maybe for the first time today, the story of Jesus has clicked and it's time for you to get off the bike. For some of us, you placed your faith in Jesus and you're a person, you're like, yep, I know I am saved by this grace that Jesus offers me as payment of my sins on the cross. But like over time, we just kind of like start like ooching our way back over to the bike, you know? And we're like back on it. All of a sudden where it's like, yeah, I know I'm saved by Jesus, but I also like, hey, did I tell you I'm in a new Bible study and I'm actually leading a community group now and I'm mentoring two high school students. I'm serving in a homeless shelter. I get up every morning at dark 30 before all the other like so-called Christians get up. I'm reading my Bible in the original Greek, you know, and, <laughs> and you think it's like, yeah, it's because of the grace of Jesus, but look at all that I'm doing. All of a sudden life becomes about striving again. You know the reason why I got this tattoo? It was because, and I got it in a place where I could see it. It's because I tend to be this person who hops back on the bike and starts driving. It's time to get off the bike and to trust in the new plan that Jesus offers us freely. And if you've never done that, I wanna give you the opportunity just to make that decision today. And I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna ask you to like raise your hand or stand up or come up front or do anything like that. No, but just like in the quietness of your own heart, it's just, it's, it's praying a prayer like this. Lord, I, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've fallen short of your standards. And I've lived a life where I'm trying to strive to earn something that I can never earn. God, today, I wanna place my faith in Jesus, I want to place my faith in the new plan that you offer me. I accept this free gift of eternal life. Jesus paid the penalty for my sins. I'm placing my faith in him. Lord Jesus, thank you so much. Come be my savior. 
be my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, man, there, <laughs> let, me, let me just tell you, there is a celebration going on in heaven right now. And uh, I know it, 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 you don't feel any different, but let me tell you, something has changed to where if something were to happen to you, you would go to be with Jesus immediately, not because of your striving, but because everything that Jesus offered us freely. And we would love here at Blackhawk just to be able to celebrate with you. And so if you wouldn't mind, uh, regardless if you're watching online, if you're at any of our sites, if you're here live in the room, if you would just simply, if you made that decision today, if you would just simply text the word yes to 608-618-4003, 618-608-4003. And uh, we would like, it just lets us know somebody placed their faith in Jesus. We don't have your info or anything like that, but it just, we promise we'll be praying for you if you text in that number. And we're gonna send you a form. It's an opportunity to fill some stuff out because we'd love to be in touch with you. We'd love to help you see like, what are some steps you can take? How can you get into community? What are, where do you go from here? And, uh, and we'd love to help you on that journey. Um, and uh, you know, first service, we already know of eight different people who place their faith in Jesus today. Maybe you're one of those people too. We'd love to be in contact with you. There is no greater decision than you can make because when Jesus said, it is finished, it meant that our striving is done. It's time to get off the bike. Let me pray for us. God, thank you so much for the gift of your son, Jesus. (laughs) He paid a penalty we could never pay on our own. And so God, thank you for making life not about striving, but about faith in Jesus. He's the one who did the work for us. He lived the life we were supposed to live, died the death we were supposed to die, all so that we could buy into this new plan. I pray for anyone, Father, who has placed their faith in you today. God, I pray that like... (laughs) you would just give them assurance. If anything were to happen to them, they would go to be with you in paradise, not because of what we've done, but because of everything you did. Thank you so much for the gift of eternal life that you offers us, which changes and transforms everything. We pray this in Jesus' name. All God's people together said.